You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Second Timothy chapter 2. We'll read a few verses here and again, uh, kind of carrying the theme um, almost a patriotic theme tonight. I'm preaching about um, something you'll see how hopefully will connect to what we just were singing about. Second Timothy 2. All right. Second Timothy 2 says in verse 1, we'll read the first four verses here. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." Let's pray and ask God to help our time together. God, we do come and humble ourselves before you and pray that you would bless our time in your word. God, I pray that you'd help me to step out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts through this passage. God, illuminate it for us. We love you greatly, Lord. We're, we're blessed beyond measure. We're, we're so thankful uh, that we have your word and that we have your Holy Spirit to teach us. God, we pray that you would use our time together in a way that helps us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As I was uh, preparing to preach today, it seemed like a nat- nat- just natural to bring a message connected to Veterans Day. And I, I'm not necessarily in a series on Wednesday nights right now, and, and I didn't, I, but I didn't serve in the military. So there were times, you know, even today, I'm thinking I don't have much to draw from in terms of experience, and I don't have um, a lot of illustrations. But but two things compelled me today to connect tonight's message to the service of our veterans. And the first is this. As an American, I have benefited greatly from the sacrifices of our soldiers and our, our men and women who have served and sacrificed. Especially as a pastor, especially in the area of religious freedom. And I am certainly thankful for the last four years, which I believe uh, we have seen unprecedented re- uh, a man that is willing uh, to put himself out there in an unprecedented way uh, for religious freedom to be furthered in our country. And I I don't agree with everything that any president does, and there are things that every president does that probably maybe rub some people the wrong way, but we can't deny that, that President Trump has been good for churches in the United States of America. My second reason is this. There are quite a few parallels between soldiers and Christians. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. There's more more, uh, battle language. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Armor indicates a battle. There's a breastplate of righteousness in Ephesians 6. There's a shield of faith. There's a helmet of salvation. There's the sword of the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Weapons. It is, it is akin to a, a battle. God, Paul is telling us in 2 Corinthians that the Christian life, we have weapons. We are soldiers in a battle. We're in a battle. We face spiritual warfare. And if that's the case, the Christian life isn't just something we do on the side. You're not just a soldier on the side or when you feel like it. You don't go into battle as a hobby. You you don't approach it like recreation. If we are soldiers in God's army, there's a sense of commitment and seriousness and urgency. And I think too often that we view the Christian life with less urgency than we need to. It's a battle and we are soldiers. Uh, And I mean, as a kid, like many boys, like many of you, uh, men in here, you used to play army. Some of you boys still do. You play army. That's what you do. You, you get your friends together or your siblings and you dress in camouflage and you split up into different armies, different teams, and you pretend to fight battles. That's what boys do. But as a boy, I wasn't really in battle fighting wars. It was a costume that I took off when I was done. I wasn't really a soldier. But I think that we can tend to do that as Christians and that we play army. But we don't really operate like soldiers. We, we might acknowledge that we're in a battle, but it's more of a costume than a uniform. We don't sense the urgency, except it maybe at certain times. And we might recognize the urgency of the hour at, during missions revival or on Sunday mornings or when it's time to keep, teach the class. But the rest of the time, it's, it's almost as if, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just trying to paint the, the landscape of Christianity with a broad brush here. But the many times I believe we kind of hang the costume up in our closet until we need it the next time. So we, we just pull it out when we need it, but we don't live like soldiers all the time. And I'm not sure that's how it feels if you're a real soldier in an actual battle. And we have some men that have, have served overseas and you've been on battlefields and you can't afford to take time off. You know, you don't let your guard down. You don't forget where you are. You, you're constantly aware that there's a real enemy. But if the Bible indicates that we're actual soldiers in a real battle, we ought to be the best soldiers we can be. And the motivation that Paul gives in 2 Timothy is this, that he, look at verse 4. Here's the whole motivation to be the best soldier that you can be in verse 4. It says, No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Did you catch that? Here's why you need to be a good soldier, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The reason you ought to strive to be the best soldier you can be in God's army is that you may please him who has chosen you to be a soldier. We answer to God. You could say it this way. As a soldier, my mission is to please my captain. And then tonight we had the patch kids up here and it was fun to watch them. They're spread out sitting with their parents now. But you know, in, in the patch club, um, don't, I don't know, I don't remember, they call him captain. Uh, they, were, they, they sing a song that refers to the captain, the captain, and, and they're kind of little soldiers, you know, we're indoctrinating them to be soldiers. They're sailors, I mean, but same thing, I mean, and I'm not sure why they're following a pirate, but you know, I mean, it's church, why are we, but you know, we'll talk about that later, but, but as a soldier, my mission is to please my captain. I have one mission, to please God. 
Friend, you have one mission. If you're a soldier in God's army, you have one mission, and that is to please God. He chose you. He commissioned you as a soldier. And the most important thing you can do and I can do is serve in his army in a way that pleases him. We answer to him. So how can we please our captain as good soldiers? And Paul gives us some pretty good advice here on the matter in 2 Timothy 2. And I just want to look at four words that I believe sum up how we can serve our captain as good soldiers. Look at the first word that I, that I see here in, is the word engage. Look at verse 2. It says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The things that thou hast heard of me. That's engaging. So, so Timothy, the things that, that, that thou hast heard refers to the teaching of Paul to Timothy. Paul had invested much into Timothy. He had taught and mentored him in many ways. And Paul was able to say, hey, Timothy, the things that you've heard of me. See, he knew that Timothy had been engaged and had been listening to the things that Paul had been teaching. I was watching Brother Heath tonight uh, with, with the little ones, with Patch up here trying to get them in the right place. And it's like, you know, herding cats through the wilderness, you know. And he, I mean, multiple times, hey, are you listening? Are you listening? Look here. He's giving instructions and some kid's looking over this way. He's, brother, he's like, hey, listen here. Yeah, I don't get the sense with Paul and Timothy that Paul ever wondered if Timothy was listening. You get the sense that Timothy was engaged. And when people are locked in, you really know it. You can tell it. Uh, last week, I, was, I preached at a youth rally on Saturday with Brother Ruckman and when I started preaching, I mean, the, it, you could just tell that those, those kids were ready to hear it. They were locked in. And there's probably a hundred young people in this room. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's a stark reminder that, you know, the world, I think they, they definitely mislabel our kids as being, um, you know, hyperactive or they have attention deficit. You know, these, it's possible for kids, uh, teenagers, young people to sit and listen and focus, especially when somebody's preaching the word of God. You know, we've got young, young ones in this room right now, and they're sitting there and they're listening. And they may not catch everything, but they're paying attention. They're listening. And it, it's a lost, I believe it's a lost art in our, in our culture that young people will just sit and listen. Well, you get the idea that Timothy was engaged. He was listening. Paul had invested much in Timothy. He had taught and mentored him in many ways. And, and he had, Timothy had observed Paul's life. Look over at uh, one chapter over in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, verse, verse 10 is where we'll start. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the things that, that, these are the things that Timothy had learned from Paul. Look at verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine... That do doctrine is the teachings of Scripture. Paul had taught Timothy the teachings of Scripture. Timothy had been engaged in learning. Uh, he says that, that my doctrine, my manner of life, that's just the conduct. He says my, my purpose, which is your reason, my reason for what I do. He's basically saying, Timothy, you've seen all these things in me. My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, which is just being faithful to God. My, my long-suffering, which is steady perseverance. My charity, which is love. My patience, which is endurance. And then in verse 11, persecutions and afflictions. He says, you've watched me in all these ways. You, you not only have heard what I taught you, but you've seen how I lived it out in my life. You watched me. You caught it. You were engaged. You were paying attention. Look down in verse, uh, in verse 14. 
It says in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Do you get the idea again that Paul knew Timothy had picked up on what he was teaching him? Yes. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling Timothy, everything you need, you've seen. You know, I, I've taught you the doctrine. You watched how I operated. The things that you have seen in me, it's time for you to do them. It's, you paid attention. You were engaged. His message is now it's time for you to take what you learned from me and pass it on to other people. Amen. The things that you heard me teach, the, way, the things that you observed in my life, take them and pass them on. But realize, Timothy had to be engaged to learn them. He had to be plugged in. He had to be listening and watching in order to catch it. And listening is a lost art. As I already mentioned, most people would rather be heard in our culture. You know, there, there's not a, a social media website that's all about listening to somebody else. Social media sites now are all about, hey, here's my opinion on it, and I want you to hear it. I want to be heard you know, parents, another good lesson for our kids since they're sitting in here is, is to teach them when they're around people that have more to say than they do to just sit and listen. Don't always be the one that's speaking. And, and I do think it's something we could work on to listen in conversations. Instead of, you know, it's amazing how much, and I'm just observing how much we talk over each other sometimes. Rather than just sitting back and listening to everything that somebody has to say and taking it all in, it's kind of like we're thinking about what we're going to say next. You, you know people like that, and maybe you've been there before. They're not really listening to what you say. They're simply waiting for their next moment where they can jump in and say something. Let's not be those kind, that kind of people. I mean, if, if, let's be engaged. Calvin Coolidge said, no man has ever listened himself out of a job. It's a pretty good way to say it. See, if we want to be soldiers that please our general, we must be engaged, we must be listening, we must be tuned in. And what should we be tuned in to? Well, Paul already touched on it in chapter 3, verse 14, when he said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And here it is, that, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What do you suppose that Paul is telling Timothy he needs to be engaged in listening to first and foremost? What do you think? God's word. The Holy Scripture. See, Paul recognizes the absolute importance of God's word in the life of a believer. He says this is that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is the key to success or failure in our mission. How engaged we are to God's word will make the difference in whether or not we succeed or fail. And, and so listen, if Timothy, and this is a question I, I want to ask, if Timothy had been as engaged to God's word as we are, would he have had anything to pass on to other people? Good. See, good soldiers engage in the word of God. These are, march, these are our marching orders right here. Uh, this is our mission, folks. This gives us the mission details. The, we have no direction if we don't make God's word our life's priority. 
And, you know, we hear these messages all the time, but I don't think we can hear them enough. I have to ask, how engaged are we in God's word? Are we reading it on our own? Are we engaging when it's preached and taught? I mean, check yourself right now. I'm not even pretending that I deserve to be listened to and that, that it's such a dynamic message. I wish it was. But, but listen, if God's word is being taught or preached, it doesn't matter the vessel through whom it's coming. It is worth our hearing. It is worth us being engaged in it. And if you have already checked out tonight, I, say, I think that says less about the preacher as it does the heart of receptivity in your life. And you have to check yourself and check whether or not you check out or you engage when God's word is being preached and taught. This is essential to the perfecting of you as a child of God. And when I say perfecting, I don't mean holiness and you're perfect and you're no longer sinless. I mean it is the completion. That's what perfect means. It's that the man of God may be perfect or whole or complete. And if you're not engaging when God's word is being preached and taught, then you are likely not in a position to become all you're supposed to be for Christ. Are you reading it on your own? I mean, how regularly do you read God's word? Are you memorizing God's word? You say, well, that's for the kids. Well, I don't see anything in scripture that says only kids can memorize God's word. I mean, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It was not written by a child. We need God's word in our hearts. If we're going to resist the temptations of the flesh and Satan, are we meditating on God's word? That's a lost art. A lot of times, and I, I, I mean, I, I'm tempted to do it myself. I want to get through my Bible reading a certain number of times a year. And sometimes I, I just, man, I speed through it all. And I check mark and then move on. Do you know the Bible talks a lot less about reading than it does about meditating? And we ought to take time. If you only get one chapter a day, but you meditate on God's word, you'll probably do far more for yourself in your spiritual life than if you read 10 chapters and you don't catch any of it. Stop and meditate. Stop and think. Let it revolve over and over in your minds. Are we spending time around others even who have learned it, God's word and practiced it like Paul? You want to be engaged. That's what he says. It's not just about what you've heard of me. In chapter 3 he's saying in the things that you've seen in me. You've seen me live these things out. Are you engaged in the marching orders? Are you locked in or are you tuned out? Are you consistent or are you sporadic? Are you flippant or are you serious? What does it take to stop you from reading your Bible in the morning? What does it take to to stop you from being in church and being in Sunday school in every service? If these are our marching orders and they lay out the details of our operation, we must be engaged or we're going to miss something. We've got to tune in or we, are, we will not successfully complete our mission. Paul told Timothy the things that thou hast heard of me. If you, were to, if you were asked to pass along the things that you knew about God's word, how much could you give somebody else? First Peter 3, uh, Peter wrote, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that is asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You, we, we must always be ready to give an answer. So how well have you been listening? 
How familiar are you with truth? The first step to being a good soldier is to be engaged in listening. And how engaged should we be? Well, I love how Paul says it. He said, uh, and the things that thou hast heard of me, in verse 2, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know how engaged you ought to be in God's word? The best way to learn anything is to learn it in order to teach it. The best way to learn anything is to learn it in such a way that you can teach it to somebody else. It's one thing when you're, you know, when you're young and you're just taking a, you're, you're, you're studying and you're, man, you're really cramming. Not that any of you would ever cram for a test. You're much more diligent students, I can tell. But you ever cram for a test and you're just kind of getting all the information in there so that when the test comes along, you'll have something to put down and get the right answers. It's one thing to learn in order to get the right answers on a test. It's another thing entirely, if you know, you're going to have to take that information and stand in front of people and teach it to them. I'll never forget, I mean, I went to, um, I got, after Bible college, I went and was a music director. And for a few years, I took music classes uh, at a State University, Oklahoma State University, and I took music theory, and I took sightseeing and ear training, and, and all that other stuff that most of you don't care anything about, okay? But I took it, and I enjoyed it, I liked it, I got good grades, and, and I was like, man, this is, I, I'm really good at this. And then I got asked to teach, start teaching on a college level, music theory, Started having to, to try to explain to people that didn't have any idea about music theory what a note is and what a rest is and what measures are and how to, how to count out beats and all of those things. And it wasn't until I stood in front of people that didn't know anything about music theory that I realized I'm not really as knowledgeable at this as I thought I was. You want to learn something well before, uh, if you really want to learn something, learn it to teach it. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. The things that thou hast learned, it's time to commit that to faithful men who can teach others also. When you realize you have a responsibility not just to learn about Jesus, but to teach others about Jesus, it will change the way you engage in the learning process. It's one thing on a, maybe on a Saturday morning, uh, uh, Brother Juan, to go through a, a, a door-knocking, soul-winning Romans Road process, but it's another when you know the next hour you're going to be knocking on a door and you better have something to say. It, it changes everything. It changes how we engage in the process if we know we're going to have to teach somebody. And that's what Paul's telling him. Every one of us should know God's word well enough to teach somebody else. That's how engaged we're supposed to be. And that thought flows right into the next step in the progression. Again, how to be a good soldier, how to please our captain. In order to do that, we must be engaged. But second, we must be willing to enlist. Engaged first, enlist Second, we must be willing to enlist. Look again at verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, when I say enlist, I don't mean that we should be willing to enlist. Uh, we're, um, the, the assumption is that Timothy's already enlisted. Okay, he already signed the papers. He can't back out now. He's already in. So Timothy's already enlisted and he's a soldier, but we must not stop at our enlistment Paul is encouraging Timothy to become a recruiter. He's encouraging Timothy to enlist others in the battle. The same commit thou to faithful men. See, listen, folks, our primary task, and I want you to get this, our primary task as a member of a New Testament, local New Testament church, is to enlist others in the battle. Paul's message to Timothy was to actively pursue others. To go out and win them and recruit them and convince them that the life of a soldier is the best life you can live. 
That, that's, that's what he, Paul is telling Timothy to do, to actively pursue so that he could teach doctrine in a manner of life and purpose and faith and all those things that Paul taught Timothy. We're to start by winning them. And I can't tell you how excited I am and encouraged I am by the involvement of those who are hanging out, handing out door hangers in the last couple of weeks. It's been great. Brother Chad uh, decided to do that in the couples class and people are getting on board and, and we'll see just how committed we are now that it's getting cold, but that's okay. Just, I, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's easy. Literally just go up the street and put door hangers on people's doors and God's already blessing those efforts, I believe. We had visitors on, on Sunday because of it. But consider the Great Commission. If that's all we did, we're not doing enough. It's not just about telling, it's about baptizing. It's about discipling after they've been won. We have a responsibility to teach God's word to people. And you say, well, I'm just not good in front of other people. I could never teach. Well, I understand that, but that's essentially saying that you won't take part in an important step of the Great Commission. If we drop the ball when it comes to teaching others God's word, we're not completing our responsibility as a church. And you don't have to start, have a teaching degree to teach somebody God's word. You, you don't have to have a master's degree in communication. I mean, I wish I did. I don't. You simply have to be willing to invest yourself in somebody else's life. We need more e-siders that would be willing to invest themselves in the spiritual lives of other people. And last week about this time, I began planting the seeds for discipleship to take place. And we had some interest in about 2020. That's all I'm going to say. It put a pause on things. But, uh, but still, we're not absolved from our responsibility to teach, to disciple. It just takes time and, and enough care for a new believer or some young Christian or a new family to our church to take them under our wing and say, listen, I'm not going to wait for some program to take them through God's word. I have a heart for this person. I have a heart for this family. Ladies, I have a heart for this lady. I'm just going to reach out on my own and I'm going to take them under my wing and I'm going to invest in them with my life, and then we're going to sit around and sometimes we're going to talk about the Bible and, and I'm going to help them in a, in a way that I, that I wanted somebody help me at some point. You know, I, I even have some discipleship materials. Listen, I have discipleship materials I could recommend you to have. To, you can have a book to follow. It's not just, you don't have to come up with your own lesson plan. I mean, you, I've got things that will help you if you're afraid of doing that. We just need folks to be willing to enlist other people. Like Paul said, the hope is that they, they will be faithful and teach others also. If we want the truth to perpetuate, we've got to teach others. Amen. If we don't, what we have ends with us. Good soldiers that please the captain will invest themselves and God's word into other believers who will invest themselves and God's word into other believers who will invest themselves in God's word into other believers and so on and so on and so on. Soldiers that please this, this heavenly captain will engage. They will also enlist. And third, they will endure. Look at verse three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we've got to engage, we've got to enlist others, and we must be willing to endure hardness. The idea here is that, listen, the cause of enlisting is so important that the ball can't be dropped just because it gets hard. That's why Paul writes, thou therefore endure. The reason, he's pointing to the verse before it. Thou therefore, the reason, you know, all the enlisting, all the teaching, that you therefore, because of that, you endure. Because that's a great cause. 
Uh, because the cause of enlisting others to carry on the truth is so important, we have to make an, a, a decision to endure the hardships that come along. You say, well, I didn't sign up for hardships. Well, it doesn't matter. You're enlisted already and the hardships are coming. Uh, and it means to suffer evil. It means to be afflicted. I think us Americans have, have had it so easy as Christians that we think, well, the Christian life isn't very hard. I can just kind of fit it in, in this compartment over here. But no, the Christian life, in, for most people, for most of, of history since Jesus Christ, have endured hardships to be a Christian. Paul's message is that the process of enlisting others and preparing them for the battle, it's not without difficulty, it's a challenging mission. It'll test your will, it'll test your fortitude. We're operating this mission behind enemy lines. And Paul's lesson to Timothy is it included much affliction and persecution. He said in chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We won't turn there, but if you ever want to read the kind of hardships Paul dealt with as a soldier, go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's eye-opening. Good soldiers endure hardships. They're willing to, to suffer evil or be afflicted because they believe so strongly. Listen, don't tune out. Good soldiers endure hardships and they're willing to suffer evil or be afflicted because they believe so strongly in their mission. When a cause is great enough, quitting is not an option. Amen. General Douglas MacArthur said, age wrinkles the body, quitting wrinkles the soul. Amen. General Patton said, all the real heroes are not story but combat fighters. Every single man in this army plays a vital role. Don't ever let up. Don't ever think that your job is unimportant. Every man has a job to do and he must do it. Every man is a vital link in the great chain. General George Marshall said the truly great leader overcomes all difficulties and campaigns and battles are nothing but a long series of difficulties to be overcome. The lack of equipment, the lack of food, the lack of this or that are only excuses. The real leader displays his quality in his triumphs over adversity, however great it may be. And those are great quotes by great men and reminders that the battle is hard. Paul called it a wrestling match. In Ephesians 6, a rest, he says that we wrestle. And Manny, don't you have to decide in a wrestling match that you're not going to give up? You ever feel in a wrestling match that you just wanted to throw in the towel? It's like, this is way too hard right now. He's like, no, never felt that way. <laughs> I know better. Manny's a good little wrestler, but I guarantee there's some matches he's won that halfway through it, he had to just decide, I'm not quitting. And listen, if we quit, we lose. This is a wrestling match, and you've got to just choose not to quit. And if these great generals said those things about earthly warfare, how much more important is it that God's soldiers refuse to quit in a battle that matters for eternity? Every soldier faces hardships, but good soldiers refuse to quit over them. Truth is, you have to decide if the cause is worth it. You have to decide if it's worth the suffering. You have to, speaking of endurance, I mean, Jesus Christ in Hebrews 12, what does it say he did for the cause that was set before him? What did he do? He endured the cross. He said, you know what? My cause is so great and this suffering is so terrible, but the cause is greater than the suffering. 
The end of what happens if I go through with this and submit myself to the Father and I die for these folks that are standing before me right now jeering at me. I will die for them and they will be saved and I will glorify my Father. In the end, that cause is greater than the moment of suffering I'm in. If Jesus Christ was willing to do that for us, we ought to be willing to do that for him. He saw the salvation of souls and he said it's worth the effort. And if we believe that a well done from our captain is worth the affliction, then carry on. Don't get discouraged and uh, refuse to quit just because it's hard. In the end, pleasing the captain is worth the toil and it's worth the heartache. Good soldiers engage and they enlist others and they endure hardships. And finally, good soldiers refuse to be entangled. Look at verse 4. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. See, the idea of Paul's challenge is if you're in active service, you can't get caught up in civilian pursuits. See, to be entangled means you're all wrapped up and you're twisted in something and you can't fulfill your duties like Christmas lights every year. I mean, the Christmas lights gremlin gets in the bin. I mean, you have it all wrapped up nice and easy and yet somewhere during that year, something gets in there and mixes it all up again. Fishing line. If it gets entangled, it's frustrating. You know, Solomon wrote in Proverbs... Uh, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. It's easy to get caught up in the things that will prevent us from being good soldiers. It's easy to lose sight of the things. It could be sin, but it could also just be distraction. It could be your work right now. It could be your job, and it's busy, and you got a lot to do, and your family is run, seems like you're running here and there and running everywhere, and you, the to-do list never gets shorter, and schoolwork never ends. That's life. But we tend to allow ourselves to be encumbered with things that matter far less than pleasing our captain. In Oklahoma, and I think you probably have some of these here too, but we had seven acres in Oklahoma and we had lots of oak trees and, and too many cedar trees. But, but the, we had these thorny vines. And they would come up out of the ground. And before you realize it, these thorny vines have just, and they seem to always attack the hardwoods. They seem to always attack the trees you didn't want to lose. But if you didn't pay attention, these thorny vines would come just straight up out of the ground and they entangle themselves in the branches of these nice, big, strong oak trees. You know, the ones you thought, they're never coming down. But, uh, but before you realize it, you go a few months uh, later and you walk through the, the woods and you see a tree that, that was strong at one point and now the vines are all entangled. The thorns are everywhere and you can't just even pull on it and pull it out because the vines, the thorns are just wrapped up in the branches. And yeah, you almost can't do anything about it except go and cut it off of the ground and then start to pull and cut and pull it away. But we lost a lot of good trees that were entangled in thorns. And we're losing many good soldiers to the cares of this world. And it's not like every pursuit is bad, it's just we're distracted. We're distracted from the purpose of pleasing our captain. Do you have any thorny vines in your life that are distracting you from your cause as a soldier for Christ? It's time to dig, dig the, those things up and get rid of those that will prevent you from pleasing your captain. F.B. Meyer said, The less encumbered we are, the more easily shall we be able to execute the least command of our great captain. Yep. 
Good soldiers don't lose sight of the mission. It can be a fellow soldier sometimes. Maybe you're going along, but you get entangled because of some person, and maybe there's an offense, or maybe they just rub you the wrong way, or, or maybe, a, maybe some kind of a personal failing, and you're bound by some sin that's keeping you out of the battle. Anything, even good things, can distract us from that which matters the most. And if you want to hear well done, you may have to untie yourself. You may have to untangle yourself, but God can help you to be released. Like untangling a line, you know, if you, again, I'm going to go back to Christmas lights. I'm not bitter. I'm just using it as an illustration. (laughs) And you just, oh, just pull on one and pull on another. and, And you could get mad. You ever get mad at a tangled mess? Just pull as hard as you can. Boy, that really helps, doesn't it? Kicking something helps too, but you know. You know, the only way to get it untangled is just one, just one tug at a time. It's like, you know what? Okay, I see this goes through that, so I'm going to have to pull through. And then you go to the next one, you've got to pull through that. And you've got to pull through that. And eventually it will get done by January. Okay. <laughs> just won't have lights this year, kids. It's okay. But you know, that's, that's how we might have to do it when it comes to untangling our, ourselves. You can't do it all at the same time. You can't do it all at once. But it can be done. Just one small decision at a time. A good soldier needs a wholehearted, undivided, single-hearted, single-minded focus on that which matters the most, which is pleasing his captain. And you cannot do it if you're tangled. You can't run and do the fight if your feet are tied together. And you can't lift your weapon if you're bound by sin or distractions. If you want to please your captain, then answer these questions. Are you engaged? Are you enlisting? Are you enduring or are you entangled? Are you engaged in God's word? Are you making it a priority? Did you read it this morning? Are you making it a priority in your life through reading and meditating? Are you making it a priority in your Christian life by tuning in when it's preached and taught? Are you enlisting others? How serious do you take your responsibility to reach and teach with the gospel and word of God? Discipleship rests on all of our shoulders. And I wonder who could say, because of your influence, that, they have been, that they've learned God's word and they can teach somebody else. You have anybody in your life that, that could point to you and say, they're the reason that I'm taking the God's word and teaching somebody else. Are you enduring hardships? Or are you discouraged right now? So remember this, Christ faced hardships greater than we can imagine, but a single focus on pleasing his father provided him the grace to endure. Fourth, are you entangled? Is there something in your life keeping you from the single focus? And maybe it's time to cut away some vines that are keeping you from pleasing your captain. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.